This, 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 this is mythical. Earbiscus is supported by DoorDash. I'm keeping less alcoholic beverages in my house um, lately. I'm kind of on that swing of the pendulum. Okay. But I will say, there's times when when you wanna crack open an adult beverage. Yes, it happens. Sometimes amongst friends, sometimes alone. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I, wanna get into the details. I recommend with friends. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, Here's to alcohol deliveries with DoorDash. Whether you're hosting, sending a congratulatory gift, or just staying in to chill with a cold one, DoorDash is an easy call. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. They have it all, beer, wine, mixers, and for those that don't drink, mocktails and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code Ear. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening, any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Red. And I was yawning, sorry. Oh, oh, but that, I'm, that really sets the, the really, tone. Um, I'm Link, this week at the round table of dim lighting. We're doing something a little bit different. Um, we're, we're compiling, how do I, how do I describe it this? It is a thematic compilation. Compilation, yes. We're compiling things our friendship around series. the same theme, um, but it's gonna create something entirely new. So instead of while we take a break, just you know, just giving you uh, another episode you may have not heard. We thought it would be fun to, in this case, go through our friendship series, which we revisited. Like we take a few months, we revisit, and we analyzed our friendship during different time periods, thinking that we could then unearth some new stories and some new insights into what was it like being friends in grade school, middle school, high school, college our engineering years. And so we've kind of taken the highlights, you know, a segment from each one of those things. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, you'll be on a journey through our friendship through the years uh, without having to go back and listen to all those. Yeah. Enjoy it. Every single interview, even to this day, next week, if we have an interview with somebody for a publication, we will say, on, On the, the first day, day of first grade, grade we, we were, were both held in from recess for writing nasty words on our desks. I wrote, hell. And I wrote, damn. I'm not really sure who says what. Yeah, sometimes we don't say that. Yeah. We we'll say, yeah, and that's when we met, our teacher, Miss Locklear, held, held us, us in from recess and made us, let's just say it together, color, color pictures, pictures of, of mythical beasts. beasts. And that's when we hit it off. And that's why our company is called Mythical, and that's and, why everything we do is called something mythical. And that's why our fans call themselves Mythical Beasts. Yes. Because of that origin story. And you know what? We've been best friends ever since. <laughs> you don't wanna ruin it for everybody, do you? Here's the thing, when we started talking about this recently, you, okay, I'm gonna say something that I believe is true about you, and that is you have an uncanny ability to 
look back on something and change the detail and then believe it to be true and just and bypass the whole like, ah, this is probably not exactly what happened. Like, because yeah. there's lots of things that you've said and I'm like, but you know that's actually not, like that's actually not true, right? You That's the way that you've categorized it and smoothed it out in your mind. I've well, always wanna, had feelings about this story. Let's analyze it and then explain it. Okay. I think yes, you're on to something. <laughs> you're on to something. But so let's just break it apart. We did meet. And first of all, the, we we have not discussed this at length. No. It's not like we're about to confess something to you that we've concluded that we've been lying to you. This is a legitimate exercise right now in mm -hmm. your presence yeah. of us analyzing this mythologized story. So we certainly I have met, analyzed it on my own a few times. We but. <laughs> certainly met in first grade. In Miss Locklear's class in and, 1984 in Buies Creek. And we were certainly both there the first day. We were definitely both there the first day. Now, I'm gonna go back to what I remember. I'm gonna try to get back to what I actually remember. I remember both of us getting in trouble and I remember both of us being held in from recess and I remember both of us coloring pictures. And I know. And, judge, and looking at how you were coloring and making a judgment about it. Very, an early, early accounts of that story f included the memory from me of, again, now I'm just remembering the remembering of the memories which is what humans do anyway. This is well, but I'm going back to what I think are core, because a couple okay, of things, core memory. but there's a couple of things about that that I'll get into in a I, second. I, I remember Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Like there was a point when I accessed that as what I believe to be a core memory of what we were coloring or I was coloring. I Now that memory came from you. Yes. The fact that it was from, it was yeah. Paul Bunyan, because yeah. I don't remember what we were coloring. Um. And so I, I don't have an opinion about that. Here's here's what I believe to here's if I if you put me up against the wall, here's what I believe. I don't think it was the first day of first grade. Okay? I don't think that we were it I don't think we got in trouble like, on the first day of first grade. It sounds like a simplification. I think what happened was we we it's safe to say that we met in some form because you pretty much in some form you meet everybody in yeah. your class on the first day of First grade, yeah, 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 and and that's when you moved from California. You, I was there in kindergarten. You weren't, you know. And, so, and so, yeah, I remember we, we met on the first day of first grade, but then at some point we both got in trouble. Well, I know we both got in trouble because I, you know, but back I, in the day they used to give the uh, I could see how the numbers on conduct, uh huh, and it was the higher the number, the worse it was, mm -hmm. and it, and if it was a and four. four was the worst, and I always got fours. <laughs> and it, but the reason I always got fours talkative. is because I just wouldn't shut up. I once sat next to you and colored and made observations about the nature of the way you were coloring, and I was like, wow, he's like really precise. It's like, mm -hmm. go wh on. What is he trying, like, I remember thinking like, what is he trying to prove? <laughs> it was like, cause what, I, cause what did I prove? Because first grade, go on. you know what I'm saying? First grade is like, most kids in first grade are just like, you're holding, this is what I was doing, you're holding the crayon like this, like you're holding it like you're, like so you're gonna kill somebody, you're gonna like stab somebody with a crayon, and then it just makes contact with the paper and you just move it. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I look. Me not and, know what wheel is. And you're like, 
it's like really even. I'm like, wow, is he is he submitting this to a contest? Because I didn't know this was a con- contest, and now I need to try. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh no, this is just art time. I'm not I'm not interested in this. Uh, but I know that that happened. But I I'm not willing to stand by the fact that that those two events coincided, and it was actually while we were being punished. Well, it sounds like at least three events have been combined into one. You remember us coloring. Yeah. We know we met on the first day of first grade. Had to. And we know we got in trouble at some point <laughs> at the same time? Well, I'm sure that that happened. Okay. So those three things were compiled into one mythologized origin story. I would like to talk a little bit about first impressions as I remember them. Okay. We've already talked a little bit about my impression of like how you the were coloring. coloring. But, and I actually didn't, I had to kind of dig back and think like, what, what do I remember thinking about Link in meeting him? Now I've already established that my MO was to, I, was, I wasn't, I didn't perceive you as timid, but I know that I definitely was not timid in terms of my, I threw myself at people, right? In a way that I don't do now. Like I'm more of an introvert, but I was a weird extrovert in like elementary school in the way that I would just like meet somebody and then within the first five minutes invite myself to spend the night at their house that night. I did it with anybody. And so I was very drawn to now just Now I'm like, wondering if everything you're saying is an oversimplification. Like the first time you met him, you'd invite yourself over to the house. That's an oversimplification. It is. But very, very early, like alarmingly early, usually in the first day, I would be like, hey, so like, uh, you, what do you think about sleepovers? I don't, you know, I would, I, it's just I'd find a way to, that's all true. Um, so I was, but I would, you know, I was kind of evaluating like, oh, this person seems, uh, there's something here. Like this person seems like they'd be fun or like we could have a good time together, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously I thought that about you because I'm pretty sure we had sleepovers in first grade. But here's the thing that I remember about you. I find that hard to believe. Okay, that maybe seems, maybe I did. That seems really early for me. Okay, I remember thinking that you were very clean. <laughs> clean? <laughs> Speaking of hygiene, that you were like very put together, like you had this like, your hair, it was like, it's like somebody's, like he's really, he really is caring about, like his hair and his clothes. <laughs> somebody's like, combing their like, head of hair. His hair is combed, his, 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 <laughs> his clothes like <laughs> match, like someone is like, laying them out or he cares about it. Like, you know, I'm wearing like gray sweatpants and a gray sweatshirt. <laughs> You're like, that's an outfit. I'm there. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think what my first impressions of you were because I I, I have to kind of interpolate from from the facts that I know. I, I don't, and maybe I'll access a memory, but nothing specific comes to mind like it does for you. It's like, I'm so good. I made such a strong impression on you. <laughs> <laughs> so many visceral and specific memories. But it was a but it but because it was different. That's what I'll say that like I felt mm-hmm. like ev- yeah. most of the other kids yeah. sort of seemed like yeah, like we're in first grade. We're just we're just kind of like going with it. Existing. Yeah. But it was like, oh, this kid is like he's put together. It's picture day every day for this kid. But, but yeah. 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 Right? I like that. I yeah. Yes, definitely. And for the reasons that I mentioned. I think that, um, you know, it, I don't think it was anything that I analyzed. It was just the the opinions 
in my life, basically my mom. But like, you don't think that I never you, questioned it. You don't think that you and I never looked around. I don't think I, I was. I was self conscious. I do have this early a preschool memory of like I was. The guys were so rambunctious and physical. Like there was like wrestling happening in preschool, and I was afraid of the guys. And I would I would always hang out with the girls. Like the guys would climb this um, fort structure built indoors at the Lillington First Baptist Church and be up there. And I would doing rambunctious stuff. And I was just intimidated. And so I would hang out with the girls. What? Well, and now I didn't. So I there's didn't like know a you kindergarten version of that. I didn't know you at that time. But what I do remember along those lines is that it was a very quickly first grade was version. like, he's not, he's not interested in sports. Now again, I wasn't, I didn't have a, uh, yeah. I've never really been that like, ju I'm not a judgmental person, you know what I'm saying? So it's so so it's not like, he's not interested in sports, so therefore he's not my friend. Like that, no, that kind of thought like process doesn't happen. It's apparently just like, it was, he's different, I gotta see his house. Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. spend a night, like you, But it was clear, that, like even in first grade, I remember in first grade, first, second grade, talking to other boys about you know, like J.R. Reed's coming to Carolina. Like that's a that's a level of conversation right. that I would have with these other kids who like cared about college sports and like what was happening at Carolina and State and Duke at the time, right? And a lot of that comes from the fact that like, okay, my dad was really into sports and the, all these other kids' dads were really into sports and I had yeah. a brother and that kind of thing. But it was like, that wasn't a conversation I was gonna have with you. That didn't, it was like, okay, well, I'm gonna have a different conversation with this with this guy. My first impression of you had to have been related to, to the fact that like, you weren't there the year before in kindergarten. You were, you were taller than everybody. Yeah, I was already taller. Skinny. You had this, you had this look about you. A look. It's like, you know, uh, I'm, like I'm not gonna- Like a hawk, like a falcon. I'm not gonna say it's Gollum-esque, but you had bigger eyes, and you were gangly. And if but you- you did just say If you got down on all fours, I'm not gonna say that's like, you know how in like the Fellowship of the Ring, they had, they put Gollum in there for a few seconds, but you didn't really, like they hadn't fully figured out who Gollum was, they hadn't done all the CGI, so like, in two towers, he's fully fleshed out and looks looks different. But in like the first one, he's kind of like sh this shadowy new character that you don't really know. And like, boy, he's really hunched over, and you can kind of count all of his vertebrae. And boy, there's a he looks like he has some extra vertebrae, <laughs> and his eyes are so big. You're talking That's probably what I thought. You're talking but more. I, I'm, I'm not going to say because I don't remember. You're talking, but factually, that's not true because <laughs> I I look that way during and shortly after puberty. I actually was just kind of a tall kid, but proportionally I'm relatively just, normal. Okay. I began looking like Gollum hey in man, ninth grade. I was just joking. Okay, well, it's a good joke. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. Picture this, it's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car, you turn on the AC to get cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Ooh. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. 
There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience, and the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So, pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Let's get into middle school. So for us, middle school was kind of a continuation of elementary school. Bowie's Creek Elementary Same went school. from kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. But there was the middle school hallway. The whole thing was shaped like a, like a Z. Well, a very straight Z, like steps. And then you, what is that? That should be a letter. But, but Why like, is that not a letter? So like the it's bottom like right of your a, Z is the. It's like an H with the, with, if you look at an H and you just grab the top end on the left and the bottom end on the right and you tear them off. Yeah. That should be a letter. I guess like knowing that layout of the school is not really the thing I wanted to, that was that important. No, no, I'm really Spend interested Spend that much time on it. But at, over the years you would move up the elementary school hallway and then when you would, you would start going to the next hallway, but that was like fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, but you weren't considered, definitely sixth grade, but you weren't considered middle school there until seventh grade. And the reason is because that's when your class schedule changed from one teacher all day to multiple classes where you went to three different teachers. Yep, and we were in the same class for all of those, so we moved around together. Both years. Both years, all of the, yeah, once you were in a class together, it kind of that that was you stayed in that lump. Yeah, but you got but you got a locker. Yeah, you got a locker. Locker for the first time. You could play. You could play sports because that was when you could like get on the basketball team or the. Um, before that, or it was the just so- it was. We both played on the soccer. But team. But it was before that we had done recreation soccer. But this was like school soccer. Yeah. School baseball. School basketball. And it was, it, so it was kind of cool that like your whole um, school career, you kind of saw this whole trajectory and you could see the, the middle schoolers. You could see those eighth graders coming into the lunchroom and stuff. So it was like, it, it, you really had something to aspire to because it was right there in front of you. And it wasn't a huge scary deal to go to the middle school because it was just going further down the hall. It was one of the more easy, it was the easier transition that I can think of for most people having to go to like a new, whole new place and new friends. It's like, it's everybody I was in school with before with like the one new person from Nebraska that shows up, you know? To me, this is all wrapped up in the talent show, which we have talked about before, but at the end of the year, the, the, it was the, those three teachers were in charge of putting the talent show on so any student could sign up for what they wanted to do and then there'd be that assembly during school hours where everybody would come in and sit in the auditorium and the seventh and eighth graders would perform their talents. And, they and were, I had been thinking about this from just intently from first grade. Oh yeah, because it's like the first the, time these are celebrities. Like, what in in the school world? celebrities getting up there. How? And like get up performing, a, performing a song and like there would always be this big grim finale, like the biggest act would be at the end. And you'd go in there and you'd look, you'd look forward to it and then they would do it again that night for the parents would come in. So you'd have two performances. 
So by the time- I didn't even remember that. Yeah, by the time we were in seventh grade. And we had practiced in sixth grade because the fall festival we right. did OPP and made it get down with Halloween. That was sixth grade. And we talked our way into that. Yep. There, that, there was not supposed to be a performance of any kind at that thing and we were like, we gotta get ready for this talent show. We gotta know what it's like to be up on this stage at this auditorium yeah. and perform for a full house. Yeah, so by the time as seventh graders, we formed our posse and picked out our rap song that we were gonna perform. We did- We had, um, a, big, we had a big posse. We did Digital Underground, same song, which had Tupac in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we added on, and, that, and then our friend Ben Greenwood, he came out with his, uh, his uh, drum machine. Not on though. And he, he didn't turn it on? No, because we played the track. That's right. And we played but a second a drum song. Machine. We added a second song onto the end of it. Maybe that was eighth grade. Seventh grade was huge because it was our first year doing it and we like, they didn't put us last, but they put us close to last. Mm -hmm. And like we, sh we really showed up the final act. I don't even remember what they, oh, the eighth yeah. graders did. Everybody forgot them. By the time we were eighth grade, we knew we were gonna do So What's So What's So What's The Scenario by Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. And we have more people in our posse, but it was a big deal. And one of the reasons we chose. But that was like, that was like a victory lap. The we, seventh grade talent show was chose, like the really coming of age. We chose songs that had different parts, different rappers in it, because it was like, right. you can represent, like these people can each be represented by someone. And so yep. the scenario had what, like four, five people rapping yeah. in it? Uh, maybe six. Um, man, those were the good old days. So yeah, that, so that just a picture. Oh gosh. That's who we were at the time. We were just thinking about being on stage and performing and getting, getting attention. But also I was in a place where my sixth grade year had ended with my first ever girlfriend, a one month long relationship with Leslie. There's a video on YouTube because she happens to be Link's first girlfriend too where we called her and reminisced. Yeah, on the vlog channel. Um, Cause yeah, seventh grade. Yeah, yeah I, I found out, we were in different sixth grade classes, I find out you were dating her. And then I was like, first of all, this is how I find out. Like you didn't tell me. Like I, that's an indication of like sixth grade being in different classes, you start going with Leslie and I didn't know ahead of time. That's an indicator about like, that was just something that we didn't talk about. You know, I don't, maybe we weren't I that only, close. Maybe I, it was just no, something you don't I talk about. I was only about. talking to the people that I felt were necessary to pull it off, which was her best friend, Amber, who then became my girlfriend in eighth grade. Right. But you didn't, talking to you about it wouldn't have caused it to happen. So there was no reason to consult with you about it. Unless we were like really good friends, Rhett. I didn't talk to anybody other than Tate. I talked to Tate because Tate was also interested in her. Oh, you so you're trying to box him out. I did box him out. By telling him, dude. I'm 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 well, going no, for Well, no, I think I said something it's like my turn. may the best man win, but just so you know, I'm also interested. I'm sure you didn't say may, may the best man. <laughs> but my mentality, now first of all, that relationship lasted 1 month. There was no hanky-panky. There was nothing, not even a holding. There was a holding of a hand at one dance. That was it. No kissing. I wanted to, I didn't have the nerve. But I'm bringing the possibility of what it's like to have finally been in a relationship. And you, I, I've already made it very clear that from very early on I was girl crazy, but the thing that I had was the girl craziness without any game whatsoever, right? I had no idea how to talk to girls. My go-to move was just staring. 
um, you know, and waiting to see if they stare back. Like it was, I was so not good. And it's like, the thing is, is that I was actually a pretty sociable person and I was, oh, I wanted to get up in front of the school and I wanted to give a speech in front of class. I wasn't awkward in those settings, but when it came to women, I just didn't know how to proceed at all. I just had this really high level of desire and then no game at all. But but that did give you an edge because I think a lot of kids were still like me. I was very timid and I was like frozen. But you weren't frozen, you took action. Yeah, so but my actions like, were, my actions were sort of characterized by timidity in one sense though. Like I, like I don't know what well, I'm yeah, supposed but to you, do. I'm gonna talk I, to the friend. I did not, I did not talk to friends, I did not. You didn't I do did anything. Not, I didn't do point. anything, right, yeah. so I'll give you credit for that. I mean, I was having a conversation with Amber in history class and she kept talking to me about the boy she liked. That happened to be you. And I kept, <laughs> I kept trying to guess who it was and I was guessing all these people and then I, I think I probably guessed everybody except me until I realized it was me and then we started going together. Right. Because it was just like, I never, I, it never, it was never that easy for me, just so you, just so you know. If it had been that I easy made it, for me. It was so easy yet I made it so difficult. If I had had the desire that I had, but then the level of interest from girls that you had, it, you know what? I would be the father of a lot of children right now. Or so, so, something would, it would be bad. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, it's not necessarily bad. Having a lot of kids, a full quiver? I mean, okay, yeah, you're right. Proverbs just say something like that. Um, but so in seventh grade, me and Amber started going together. That's when I had my first kiss mm-hmm. at the uh, at the Lillington Ruitan Club, Ruitan Building for somebody's birthday. Mm-hmm. But who were you? So seventh grade, seventh who grade you? was a dry spell for me. You were you were you weren't even at that. I was that primed party. and ready and uh, pubed up and everything. But uh, <laughs> just I was. Let, let me say there was primed and ready and pubed up. Th- there were things happening. There were things happening. The plumbing was working, and the plumbing was working often. <laughs> I mean, it was. I tested it constantly. <laughs> right, right. I was so ready, Great. so ready. You weren't wow. even testing your plumbing at that time, were you? No. Golly, so much missed opportunity. No, well, it's, I mean, one tends to catch up. Seventh grade was the last year that Ben was in school before he went to homeschool. I think that was another big. He was factor. easing out uh, into homeschool because of his chronic fatigue syndrome, and so by eighth grade he was basically not there. He didn't go to church with us, but we would still, you know, uh, he still participated in the talent show with us. We still go to his house and like do dance routines and learn like rap songs and stuff. So. I mean, y'all were still very tight. But, but the amount of time. It was this point where it, we became more of a threesome Well, I would say. Friendship. I think we were more of a threesome earlier. Okay. And then I think this is when, with Ben's chronic fatigue, there were days when I would call over there and Miss Greenwood would answer the the uh, the phone and she'd be like, Ben is not, Ben can't do anything right now. Yeah. And as a seventh grader, um, Especially me, I just was not. I, I've never been. I, I still have problems like, right, which talking we, to people. Which, so, we, which we've already talked about that. But this so, was so 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 that ended up being this thing where okay, I'm not spending this time with Ben. I'm not doing this thing like every day during the summer between fifth grade and sixth grade. I was going to be at Ben's house doing something, and you would be there a lot, right? But like the default was we're going to Keith Hills to do something, N- and and that was changing. Now it became. 
this is when like in the Book of Mythicality, we're talking about you and I riding, the riding our bikes and meeting at the midpoint at the middle of town. Yeah. And I had enough confidence as a seventh grader to start riding my bike everywhere and spending the night at your house more often. And that's when like we would start doing the flashlight wars and we would go to the Keith Hills gate. You, you would, I would come along for the things that you've been doing for years with your neighborhood friends. Mm-hmm. Like setting off fireworks at the gate and having the security guards show up or like the campus police for Campbell University and they would get on the loudspeaker and say, boys, we know you're in the woods, come out. I loved it. And then I would start to come out and realize I was the only one walking out and then I wouldn't walk out. And then we'd like, we would sprint back to your house and I was so much slower (laughs) that me and your neighbor Heather weren't fast enough to keep up and we got caught in the headlights of the security car and then we had to go talk to the security guard. But he gave us a really strong lecture and let us go because the because re- you ditched us. Yeah, man. You got. I mean, every what man for himself. Um. So yeah, I was kind of getting in the mix there and and like having more sleepovers, and and starting starting to gain confidence. And none of that, that was front. registering with me, by the way. And, and things didn't register. I don't think things register. Things registered with me in terms of like because I remember basketball was another thing where, like, I mean, we were definitely best friends by this point. And it was, and church was the engine, and then school was just icing on the cake. But like, you were on the basketball team as a seventh grader mm-hmm. and eighth grader, of course. But like, uh, I find it wild that we did play soccer together. That's something that I tend to forget. I want to come back to the basketball, but like, you were the goalie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I, much to my, I did not you were like so, it because you like, were so, so big. Tall. I was you like, could, man, I should be over there scoring goals, man. And I played. Um, I, I liked soccer. I was I was pretty good at it at defense. You know, I couldn't run a lot. I wasn't. A, I didn't have a lot of stamina. Hence the uh, security guard thing. But I could, I could uh, play some good defense. Yeah, because sports were becoming a really big part of my life. I mean, of course, I was going to play everything that they were they, that we were allowed to play. Which that was those were the three sports: soccer, baseball, and basketball. And I was just hanging on by the soccer thread. Other and than I that, and again, I didn't know that you because we, we didn't talk about these things. Now, as a kid, a parent of teenage boys, I get the fact that you're just not. There's a whole part of your brain that you're not really using, and you really look back on these things reflectively. But but I'm thinking of things like he's playing basketball. Like, and he practices basketball so much, like this really infringes on us being able to hang out. I I believe, I'm pretty positive, that the reason why I started keeping score for the girls basketball team was because it gave me something to do that like I was attached, I would I traveled with the basketball team, with the boys and girls, mm-hmm. and then I, so I could. You gotta go on the bus. I, I got to go on the bus, and I could keep keep score for the girls and then just watch the boys game because I thought it was cooler to be able to watch the boys game. Versus keep up with it. Yeah. Pandora though, she was tough to keep up with. She was tough to keep up with as, she was I, as a I recall. She machine. Yeah, just a, just a layup tyrant. But that was, in, that was part of my equation. You know, it's like I wanna be in the mix, I wanna, you know, what's my, what's my middle school identity? I'm okay with being the scorekeeper if I can be on the bus, if I can be in the mix. And you were, so you were processing things on that level? I remember that, yeah. Yeah, to to me. But I also never... knew that I would never talk about it because it's like talking about your feelings and being being needy is just a real sign of weakness. Like, what what am I supposed to say? It's like, well, can I 
can I? Do you think I can be a scorekeeper? But no, so that we can but we can no one. spend time together. But I, but just to clarify, aren't you like our kids talk about that stuff? It's a it's it is very much a generational and also a geographical thing. There's probably kids Maybe. in certain places in the world that were, and we're in our community that just wasn't how you process life as a kid. Right. So for me, it was just like, oh, there's a sport I can play it. I can be good at it. Okay. It never crossed my mind that do it. Do do I want? Like, am I having fun? It wasn't about having fun. It was about winning. It never crossed my mind. It was just like you have to be as good as you possibly can at this, mm -hmm. and of course you have to be as good as you possibly can at this, and you have to be as good as you possibly can at this. And it wasn't just sports. It's like, oh, you also have to be as good as you possibly can at academics. You have to be as good as you possibly can at the talent show, at giving a speech for the class. You, but it didn't feel like pressure. It, it just a, felt it was, like a way of being. It's the yeah. This is the plan. I mean, and it was such a tight knit community. Like in our uh, middle school classes, uh, seventh and eighth grade, we had the same three teachers: Miss Wakus, Miss McClam, and Mr. Mr. Royal, who was also the basketball coach, PE coach, health teacher. Um, and I, you know, the, our group of friends. Whenever something would happen, or there'd be like strife, it's, if there would be drama with the girls, and sometimes it would involve guys and dating, and sometimes it would be us doing like stupid stuff. But regardless of what happened, that like there was drama or trouble, all three teachers would take it upon themselves to hold a tribunal to resolve it. They wouldn't send anybody to the principal's office. Uh, they were sparing him because he had the rest of the school, and I think that they like to be more heavy-handed than he was. I think that middle school is when people began to think of us as a duo. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, the teachers. Yep. That's why if you got called into something, I would get, called, and vice versa. The, the, the our friends. It's like, oh, yeah, Rhett and Link, they're a duo, and. Again, this was not like an intentional thing, but it was like, oh, there's a school dance, there's the lip sync contest. It was like, oh, well, we're gonna do DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince because right. they're the ultimate duo, we're the ultimate duo. Mm -hmm. We started performing together, we started seeing ourselves as a team. If we could work together on a project, like if there was a way to be like, hey, we're gonna do this Oedipus video. That's right, and we used Anna's video camera and we did our first video and project. And it was like, we were kind of thinking about it in that way and then we did a whole different one over at Heather's house. Yeah. But the next year, there was a cornfield and like a scarecrow. Yeah. Um, but we started, t we just naturally fell into this creative partnership. That's right. Uh, that, did, that really hadn't happened up until that point, right? It, it happened through the talent shows, through video projects. That was when we began to work together creatively. And I think that, now we had done things like the stupid little radio shows and stuff at the house, right? Yeah, the pause tapes. But what I found, and of course I'm going around, I'm sampling every friendship. You know what I was doing. I was going to every single house. I was spending the night at everybody's house. And I had in mind, not an agenda, but I just I sort of just naturally carried with me an agenda without thinking about it. It was just my personality. To what? I wanna have fun in a particular way. Okay. I, I am interested in having fun in, in this way. Okay, now we've got this radio. I think that we should do this radio show and like we should do carrot, we should do voices and that kind of thing. There was no one else who was receptive to that besides you. I was all in. 
You know what I'm saying? And no I, one was receptive to that way of thinking about amusing themselves. Ben was. Ben, ben was. Ben, well, as we've discussed, Ben was even more of an ideas guy. Yeah, right. And he was more out there. And like, I mean, again, when you go over to his house and he's like, let me show you the new dance that I invented. Like, <laughs> right. and it's kind of like river dance. It's like, yeah. I mean, he was he was rabbit. a wild card. He was amazing. But yeah, I was very much like, yes. I I had a sense of like, yeah, we're gonna hang out, we're gonna, we're gonna make stuff, we're gonna do stuff. This is it. This is it. This is yeah. amazing. And regardless of what it was, if this it is was, a precursor to like the blood oath thing, but if we're yeah, if we're I, gonna I definitely had that sense of that. If we're point. gonna hang out for an afternoon. Whether it was you know me and you or or, or the three, Ben was there or not, it might be like, all right, we're not just getting together. Like we're getting together, and today's mission is fill in the blank. Go out and cut down a tree. Try to make a raft that we're going to float in the backyard. Take some stuff off of this tree and to make it, make a tea that Ben said we should make because we found it in a book in the library. Yeah, we had missions, we had agendas, and then it, go that, into that sewer. Right. It carried it carried with it a sense of mission. And then that was, we, we filled our time with that way of thinking and then we also filmed any creative endeavor with the same sense of mission. Like this is gonna be good and this has gotta be the best thing that we've ever done. Again, we never talked about it. There was no like, let's have a meeting and figure this out. Right. It was in the natural thing where, and then with Ben sort of checking out because of the, the health problems that he was having. I mean, I still believe to this day that if Ben had not had those issues, we the three of us would have grown up and started something together. Yeah, you know, I, I believe that. With something creative together. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com ear. Look at this photo, Rhett. Look at these. Look at these photos of us from high school. Look at that one. Describe it. Um, this is your bathroom yep. at your house. Uh, we are using a flash camera because that's covering up your face almost completely. The flash. You're in your letter jacket. Yep. Uh, and we are both I wearing. Was a, I was a star soccer player in high school. We are both wearing beanies, which we would have called toboggans. 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 Well, I didn't say toboggan. I said toboggan. I, I, you know, that's because I, I was born and raised I in moved, North Carolina. I moved to North Carolina. At age moved around. Six. Uh, and they still have the price tags on them. What does it say on there? I don't know. I c I can't figure that out. But we we bought these toboggans and. We like to take pictures of ourselves 
I took one of you. That's a cool jacket. Very warm. And then you took you took one of me. I don't know. That's a flattering face. And and again, we didn't take these pictures and then immediately look at them. We took these pictures and then waited maybe months before we could see him again because he had to finish the role and then get it developed. We could we could have invented Instagram back then doing pictures like this. Look at this. I mean, look at how much fun we had. You and me got an index in my card. Room Is that an index with card? With toboggans on. That's a napkin with your with your tongue being pressed through it to make a hole. I'm taking a very point blank close up picture of you and then outside you, of the focus range of the camera. You thought it was such a good idea that then you took a picture of me doing the same thing. And then here's one that's that's uh it's tough to take a selfie when you're um you know when you can't when you can't take a whole bunch of them. So, we were having a good time. Now this is we were this we is, were such good friends. This is senior year. Cuz you got that jacket. No, no, I got the jacket after my freshman year. Let, I got my letter jacket as a freshman. Are you 100% sure of this? Yeah, because there was no JV soccer team. Everybody was on the varsity soccer team, so I like. They let you get it as a freshman? Well, I was on the varsity soccer team. It, every varsity player got a letter jacket. Well, yeah, Are you but. you jealous or I, something? I, I, no, I thought I, I'm that... 100% positive. Did you get it as a freshman? Yes, because. It feels like a little bit of a cheat code. It, it did, I didn't, I, just, I got. just. Being honest with you, I played in one game, a game that we won nine to zero. I know this because in the yearbook, my mom kept the, um, she kept the schedule and she wrote down the score. And we were, we were in the final four of st of uh, state playoffs that year. That I was the peak of soccer for yeah, Arna Central. Yeah, was, when I when, when I was on playing. the bench, <laughs> but I but I got my, uh, I got my letter jacket, and I think that. That's what I remember about starting high school and it really had an impact on our friendship because you know we were so nervous. We thought a lot about beginning high school. We were really in that headspace when we were writing The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek because we we put our experiences into into that story and there was so much expectation. But I actually s started playing soccer. We had um practice like six weeks before classes began. And I remember being so nervous because it's like, okay, I'm on the soccer team. There's no tryout. Everybody makes it, like I said. But still, I was nervous because, okay, you got these upperclassmen. Like all of a sudden, I'm playing soccer with seniors and juniors. And I don't know that many people from Bowie's Creek who are going over here and playing soccer. You played soccer in middle school because everybody who liked soccer kind of played, but then in high school, you started to just uh, matriculate, so to speak. So soccer for me was my introduction to high school and you didn't have any part of that. Um, and then that became a part of my identity as a freshman, as a soccer player. But basketball, I will say that basketball I, season hadn't started. I will say, if you don't remember this, is that Coach uh, Randall, is that his name? Uh, Brandle, Brandle. Uh, actively, almost to the point of harassment, recruited me to be on the soccer team. As the goalie? Yes. Because you were you could stretch out. Well, because I allowed one goal in middle school. One goal. I was trained by, you remember Peter, uh, what was his name? He was this famous Campbell goalie that I think is in like the Campbell Hall of Fame for being a goalie, Peter or something. And my dad hired him oh, to really? come and train me. Oh, wow. And I remember being out in the cold 
and having to learn how to do that thing where you fall on your side and then my dad got me like the equipment. Just lay out, yeah. I, I got really good. I could do the drop kick, you know, and I'm like six, I was already six, like five going into school. He would actively like aggressively kind of like try to bully me into being on the, the goalie. It he, almost worked. He had an abrasive personality. Uh, I should have done it, man. The, was, sto the stories we could have had. Coach Brandon was the coolest guy. But yeah, you should have done it, man, because well, I mean, you were focused on basketball at that so point. I gotta get rid of for basketball season. And um, man, but yeah, Chad, Chad Hawley was a senior and he was a really good keeper. He's, he was great. He was a great keeper. He played, um, and again, that's one of the reasons why we went to like the final four. We had a pretty pretty good team, but he was a great keeper. And um, yeah, he played in college. But you would have been groomed sophomore year. You would have up, taken over. Who ended up? I know Brian Coleman did was a goalie for a while. No, no, he was no. he was defense. Yeah, he was a sweeper. He could um, boot it really, really far. He, also, he, he, could, he, could, he did. He the, could the do flip. that thing where he would where you're thrown in from the sideline and he would you would get a running start and he would put the ball on the ground, do a flip, and then throw it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody would just be like flabbergasted on the other team, and so they would just stop playing. Yeah, it was a great technique. Who who was your goalie? Uh, Philip Hatcher became the goalie. Remember oh, him? Yeah, yeah, and he was good. He was a glutton for punishment, and you kind of have was to be fearless. Throw, yeah, throwing yourself. I think all I was on the a ground. little bit too scared of like getting hurt. Also, yeah. you got to like, throw your body around. I don't like getting hurt. So, of course, I mean, we were best friends going into freshman year, but like, I had this like reconnaissance thing. You were on the cross country team though, and you guys started running before. Mm, not freshman year. Oh, you weren't. Not freshman year. So once classes started, I felt like oh, I'm wearing my letter jacket. I'm a part of something. I'm I'm getting in where I fit in, kind of thing. I'm part of a team. It actually helped kind of kickstart things a little bit. Well, my, my brother was a senior. That helped you. Um, and he, he was like a popular guy. It was you know one of the stars on the basketball team. Um, and so there was this sort of a little bit of a, a runway set up for coming in as another McLaughlin, right? Um, and I don't know. It, I've never, especially at that point in my life, I've never been one to like get too nervous about the next stage. I get much more excited about the next stage, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I remember going, there was a, before school started that year, there was a athletes, some sort of like athlete, I can't remember what it was, but it was at, it was the first event at Harnett Central before orgy? school started. <laughs> it was an orgy outside. Uh, in in the tobacco pit where everybody smoked. <laughs> no, it was just some sort of get together and my brother was going and I was gonna go with him and I just remember thinking a lot about what I was gonna wear and I wore these shorts and of course I tucked a polo shirt into them. Braided had, belt? Had a braided belt that Hell yeah. went, uh, boy, it got close to the knee. It got yeah, close to the tied knee. Tied into that knot and send it south. And no shoes, I mean no socks phallic. and uh, loafers. Penny loafers with no socks. Wow. Um, but you blended in with that, oh, except being very and tall I was and lanky. So tan, you know that. Like <laughs> we, we, sunscreen, we didn't understand that that was. Didn't a believe in it. Didn't we? Didn't think that was a thing that you could do. Um, it was like you don't need sunscreen unless you have red hair, and I don't have red hair. When you get a tan, that becomes your, your sunscreen, sunscreen. Is what we and thought. by the end of the summer, boy, you are tan. You know, oh, and yeah. you show up. I just remember walking into that 
setting with just so much confidence. Oh, you had confidence. Well, I mean, you know, going yeah. going in. I didn't have confidence. Going in as a freshman, six five. You know, you're 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 looking down on everybody. You got a brother who's already paved the way. You know a lot of people who are going to be there. You know what I'm saying? You're good. You're not going. You're bringing everyone from your school because we were going. Bowie's Creek joined Lillington and Anger all together and, and Lafayette. Lafayette all together. I, so that's still the minority, and that's how I looked at it. You know, no, it's I like, was like we've got a we've got a faction. We're man. now a, we're, we're now at least a, a quarter of the school. A quarter of the population is a minority, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was enough though. But I mean. Yeah, it was like, the, and then all of these upperclassmen from all of these other places too. You didn't, you didn't know them. You really didn't know a lot of the older Bowie's Creek people too. So, I mean, it was definitely an exciting time. I remember like there was a there was no commons area in our elementary slash middle school, you know, where there was that break and everybody would like like hum haw around and fiddle fart around after homeroom after homeroom. So what we discussed before for middle school was more, it was more like, well, you lived on that side of town, so you had your friends and I was on the other side of town alone. Now it was more of, okay, I've got my soccer team. I've got some friends there. I made, you know, I made friends with Jason from Anger mm -hmm. and like he would invite me to his house. And I was like, okay, I'm hanging out with other people. So our horizons were expanding and our friend group hadn't yet coalesced beyond what, what it would become in like sophomore, junior year, we started to develop like a, a friend group with some Lillington people, some Andrew people, and a lot of Bowie's Creek people, and we had a pretty tight group there for a couple of years. But I remember freshman year, it was, it was kind of this branching out. I didn't really, I, I didn't, that is true, but I didn't see it that way. It's yeah. It's not something we ever talked about because I, I it's think in more in retrospect. I definitely had this again. You know, we talked about it uh, th that summer between eighth and ninth grade, and you know, going and swimming in the river. And this is when we had at that point definitely our friendship with Ben had really transformed. And so that summer going to the river was something that was pretty much me and you. Uh, there, we still hung out with Ben when he was like when he felt up to it, but that he didn't. There was all, a lot of times when he didn't feel up to it, and, and and making that phone call and seeing if he was feeling okay, it just created this thing that me and you became this unit. And so, yeah, we talked about what we were going to experience, what we were going to do, and of course, I was talking a lot about all the women that were going to be um, <laughs> here at this place. But there's a thousand people. You know, we're going to this place that's got that many more women, and. I saw us as this like unit that I kind of just took that for granted that like, okay, well, we're, I'm not going to try to find another best friend or anything, you know, it's like. I, and I never, I did, I I, know, I was never threatened. I didn't think there was anything that was, oh, gonna fall apart at this point. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were getting, we were definitely getting closer than ever, but it was the first time that we had aspects of our high school identity that were completely separate. Like you as a basketball player, right? Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of that in in middle school, but it it began to develop more. But I was friends with everybody on the basketball team. Like in high school, I wasn't friends with anybody on the basketball yeah, team. Yeah, that's true because we, you know, because it's all all new new students, and there's a lot more of them. So you you know the ones that you're kind of hanging out with. Yeah, I mean, the thing I started to experience this 
I now I kind of understand it as the chameleon like quality of an Enneagram three mm-hmm. that I never really understood was a thing until started looking like a, a personality evaluations. But that's a tendency to sort of infiltrate a particular group and be a version of yourself in that group in order to excel in that group. And so there was sort of the basketball version of me, right? Which is a totally different set of fr- friends because they're all on the basketball team and a kind of a different way of being. Like that version of Rhett was pretty serious and like committed and worried about being good at basketball and like kind of thought he was pretty cool because it wasn't a silly environment. Did you have locker room slang? Um, I, I don't remember that, but I'm maybe. You were, um, you were like, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm flaming some hoops tonight. But you know how w- you get into a certain environment uh, where, and the basketball team is different than the soccer team, right? Because the basketball team is way smaller than the soccer team or way smaller than the football team. There's this sense yeah. that you're like, hey, we're the 12 guys that they chose for this, right? There's just this sense that like you're kind of in this uh, elite group of guys and guys especially sort of like embrace that and kind of start to feel like this cool gang. <laughs> you would wear your uniform to class on the day you no, were no, playing, No, no, you wore right? a suit. Oh, that's right, you wore a suit you to, to wear, school. You had to wear a suit and tie, that was the rule, you had to wear a suit and tie on game day. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's wild. Yeah, and so, well, and that was really once we were on varsity, which was start, for me started sophomore year. Okay. But uh, the, the point I'm making is that there's this like mode, there's a sort of a social code amongst the basketball team where I'm behaving in a different way and as soon as I'm outside of that environment, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm silly class clown, Rhett, you yeah. know, which is what I was most of the time. And then of course with you, like we were like, a, it was a whole different level of taking silliness. Taking selfies with beanies I, I, I just, on. I, I just, I want to emphasize yeah. the embarrassing level of silliness that we were still, I mean, we never really stopped, but yeah, it, it was just, it was so, so stupid. We what, acted so stupid. It was, it was fun, man. Oh and, yeah. I mean, when I read through, once I started looking at these yearbooks and I started reading everybody's notes, whew, that was, it, it, it helped put things back in perspective. First of all, we went to Trinidad after our freshman year of high school on that mission trip because all of our uh, friends, all of our church friends were talking about, we were going and like, you know, the school year had ended and this is like the big thing. We're like going to Trinidad. So that's when that happened. But every single person called me crazy. Like I <laughs> I was I was I guess I was I'm pleasantly surprised and I'm sure the same goes for you because uh, uh, people would write about me and people would write about us. And then mm-hmm. our closest friends like Michael and Trent they would write about me and you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we were these uh ringleaders amongst a group of guy friends because we had these, we were super silly, we were super crazy. Um, all the girls just thought we like had, and I'm projecting my notes onto you because I know it's true of you too because I just read these. It's like all the girls just thought and our friend group just thought we were just crazy. Thank you for making us laugh all the time, that type of thing. And then there were, people who were not in our friend group who were on the edge who would say it a little bit differently like, 
you are the craziest person I've ever met. I don't, <laughs> I have no clue. You know, it's like we were, we were just, and it was a silliness. It wasn't like, it it wasn't like jackass, like Johnny Knoxville. Like they'll, and we would do some, some daring things, but it really was more about just cutting the fool, like being the butt of the joke if I had to be, that type of thing, class clowns, and it, and us being a unit that would bring other people into it. Like people, our friend group, the way that I can see in the yearbook is that they all fed off of our energy. And it's just something, sometimes I feel like we've developed personas, because we have. It was nice to go back and like have like a 98% uh, agreement amongst notes that like we were that way then too. Ear Biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five-star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes, and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm -hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code EAR at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. For our experience, we went to North Carolina State University in, in the fall of 1996. Things were different then. We drove, it was like a 45 minute drive from our home. I was roommates with my best friend since first grade. Hey, that's me. And we didn't really know anybody else, but we knew that we were gonna get involved in an organization called Campus Crusade, and um, I, I think that that would, as we talked about, that defines a big part of well, our college at least experience. That organization, as we'll as we'll share later. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and I had well, just to set the stage even further, I had a serious girlfriend who was a junior in high school, and I would go home every weekend to see her and also to get my laundry done and to pick up all the cans of Mellow Yellow that my mom had bought me. Mm. Um, Mellow Yellow was not available in Raleigh. <laughs> it was, but we had to buy it with your own money. Right. Uh, I did have a job on campus. I worked at the genetics lab, like the work study program. I was washing the dishes of the, um, of the, 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 sci dishes? the scientists who were doing some sort of genetic experiments on corn. 
I then had to clean all the beakers and test tubes and that's a meticulous process. If you, you sure they weren't just eating well. corn and you were cleaning their actual dishes? I think that's, that I, is think, possible. I think they were selling you on like, you're involved in the science here and you were just <laughs> washing dishes of scientists who like corn. It, I mean, if they were feeding themselves with pipettes, then I guess that's what I've was happening. I've seen it happen, one kernel one at a time. Um, it's a great way to eat corn and really helps with portion control. We had visited campus once at least I think Michael Juby's, Michael Juby's dad took us to campus our senior year and like we walked around campus. Well we only applied to two schools, Carolina and State. Uh, both were accepted to both. I thought we applied to uh, UNC Asheville to their film school. We didn't actually, no, we didn't actually apply. We were going to but we got talked no, out. That was it. like, that was more junior year conversation when I thought I might play basketball there. But no, in the end, we only applied to Carolina and State, and both was, got accepted in there engineering. Was, there was serious consideration of going to Carolina. I mean, I, the story I tell is, I applied to Carolina so that I could get accepted and then say no to reject them. But the, the reality is, I, I was not like a loyal State fan versus Carolina. I was actually sort of like growing up a Duke fan. I was a State fan. You were a State fan, and I've, but I, 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 I didn't I really felt have like mo- I couldn't do it. I didn't have a lot of Carolina. allegiance. But one boy, once I dyed my backside in the wolf pack red, I think that's how you do it. You stick your butt in the blood when you get there. Just kind of dip it, um, the wolf blood. There was no going back. I no hate, wolf I died. I the blue. The entire pack part. donated a little bit of blood. So they were, yeah, they they were a little peakish wolves, for so. a few days, but they, you know, no wolves were harmed ultimately in the butt dipping of blood. I remember that we, we both brought our bikes to campus. We, oh yeah, it was we like did. we had never been big. on a place so large that you were expected to walk across the whole thing. Well, we've been riding our bikes a lot. Just we always rode our bikes. It was part of our identity. It was part of our brand. It was we're boys with bikes. Well, once we got licenses, not so much. But, <laughs> but I think someone had told us like it's a really big campus, and you guys are way over there on East Campus in Syme Dorm. So I mean, it's going to take you, you know, a couple of days to get to the other side of campus if you have to walk. Well, to get to the dining room, it did take. I mean, it probably took twenty minutes to walk to just walk straight, yeah, all the way across campus to the dining hall, which that was that was fun, you know, having that excursion. That bagged milk, like see, seeing like who from your dorm you could get to get, get together with and all leave at the same time. Oh, we're still waiting for Hugh. Where's Hugh? He's up there being weird in his dorm room. We're gonna have to leave him. Remember Hugh? Unfortunately, I don't. Must have been not very. Maybe that wasn't his name. Memorable. He's an interesting guy. You my Grant? Grant. Oh, uh, Hugh Grant is an actor. <laughs> yeah, Grant is his name, not Hugh. <laughs> Hugh, where's Hugh? I don't know a Hugh. <laughs> maybe, maybe he would show up if uh, I knew his name was Grant. Um, but yeah, we'd ride our bikes all around campus. But the thing now that I superimpose on the experience is just what an opportunity for a, I'll call it a fresh start. But we, I mean, we were bleaching our hair yeah, we and were. like you were, I was, I was turning your hair into like a giraffe pattern that looked absolutely amazing. But was mistaken as a soccer ball. We would. How many soccer balls are black and yellow? Some, but I mean, it's a giraffe. Come on. I knew it was a giraffe, but I'm just saying a lot of people thought it was a giraffe. Red, white, and blue for July 4th over that 
the summer leading into our yeah, got to be patriotic uh, freshman year in college. So like we were wearing these the huge Jinko jeans with the chain wallet and uh, the the thrift store shirts, like the thrift store golf shirts. Yeah, and our and our hair. What my hair was like standing up and and bleached, and that even went into my sophomore year because that's when Christy and I met. And like, the last time my hair was like big and bleached was when we first met, and then it started to tone down over the course of become like more the re- professional. Well, we we weren't in the band anymore, but like as freshmen, like we had a very assertive looks. You know, I mean, you were tall as all get out, and 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 scarily skinny right. and with these huge Lean. jeans. It just looked, I mean, you're, we're riding these bikes around campus. I look campus. like Gumby I mean, with those jeans I never on. really thought about the, you know, I enjoyed getting attention for the way that I looked, but at the same time, really? it's, it's maybe hard to believe. <laughs> at the same time, I do not honestly recall having this awareness that everyone was looking at me as my, I rode my bike across campus. But we, we were some of the more, Aesthetically notable people on campus. I'm not saying we were cool looking. We were just different it looking. W- but to put that in proper context, it wasn't that difficult in 1996 at NC State University to, to stand out. Just to, to stand out. You know, uh, it's probably much more difficult today. We stood out more than I thought I did in my own mind, even though I did it on purpose. I don't know. It's just weird how I can hold those two truths. But so we didn't. I didn't make a switch. We kind of doubled down, I think, with the way that we looked. So it was just like, I think, hearing friends talk about it later, they were like, wow, these guys are different. Given the nature of the thing that we got involved with, which was campus, you know, Christian campus ministry, we got involved with a lot of people from very similar backgrounds on very similar trajectories as we were, right? And I think the thing that I regret is not intentionally connecting with people who were different than me. Of course, NC State was different in 1996, but it wasn't that different. There were people from all walks of life, from all socioeconomic backgrounds, from all over the world, all kinds of interesting perspectives and things yeah. that were being exchanged. And we closed and ourselves just, off I just dove right into the, you know, Southern white conservative Christian uh, heterosexual group, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And just yeah. went real, real hard at mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I wish that I could have been like, oh, and it, but my mentality was not, my mentality going into college at the time was one of other perspectives are not only different but necessarily wrong. I'm coming to this campus with the truth. I'm bringing the correct worldview to this worldly place. And when you go into a situation believing that you've got the truth and it is your job to dispense the truth, to the worldly corrupted people around you, yeah. making connections with them becomes a transactional thing where the only reason you not make- Not really a, conducive to true friendship. You make it, you make it, it becomes transactional because I'm only befriending you so that I can share the gospel with you so that I can tell you what the truth is. And most people aren't receptive to that so you end up just hanging out with all the conservative white people who are receptive to that who believe the same thing. It's a problem. So I wish I hadn't done that, right? Yeah, and all you all we had to do is make a list of acquaintances. You don't have to make it this weighty thing where it's like I have to, I have to build meaningful, long-lasting friendships with all these different type of people. That you know that sets the bar really high, and it's intimidating. But just having one one conversation with somebody, you know, in the first couple of weeks on campus, there's this thing that we've talked about called campus face. Yeah. You, 
you just need to know that it's gonna happen if you're on that type of campus where you're walking around and you're seeing the same faces over the course of a year and at a certain point you realize, I know this person's face but I've never met them or talked to them and it's nice to have a few people that you've at least said something to like um, leaned over in class and said like, "Have you? is this your first time taking chemistry? I just made that up on the top of my head because then it's like. If it's chemistry 101 probably. It's a stupid question. Yeah. Come that, up with that, that would be my follow up. Is your name Mark? That was just a stupid question. Have you ever, ever wanted it to be? Just to ask you, just just so I could like break the ice. Do you have any pets? I, you know, I think so, some another type of person that's on my list, and it would also take the heat off of the criticism we placed on ourselves that you just laid on us, and we deserve it. Is athletes? Like I would like I would put an athlete on my list, or maybe you'd be. I, I want to be friends with a football player. And I want to be friends with a track and field artist. Artist is that's the or, correct term. Or a, a graffiti artist. That's someone I would like to know in my life now. I think I think I can make a list of acquaintances now. Yeah, this and is I pretty think, much a principle to apply. Graffiti artist is is going to be in the top five for me. But athletes had a tendency. They they lived in this bubble on campus, which we penetrated because we were so far from the dining hall that they allowed us at the extreme east side of campus to go to the much closer athletic dining hall. Case. Case Dining Hall. Named after a coach, Everett Case. Much smaller. It was. Much it, better food. Much better food. They, they served steaks. steaks. Yeah. And it was only athletes, except for the people from our, like the three dorms way over there where we were. Yeah. And so it's like these scrawny kids in like really well, huge clothes. Let me just say, I, I was mistaken as a member of the basketball team many times. So don't don't leak, don't put me into the scrawny kids with big clothes group. I was. They not may mistaken. have thought that you were the manager for the for the basketball team, but they thought <laughs> I was on the basketball team, and I went with that. Okay. The lunch ladies did, but the other athletes knew who was on the basketball <laughs> team, and you weren't one of them. So it was like, yeah, right. we, we actually got these strange looks, and we stopped going. But I went there enough to know. No, and we ha we did have a few athlete friends. We had a football player friend. Our roommates, not roommates, but our right next door were both on the football team. And then uh, Jackie was a swimmer. Yeah. And they're so isolated, they're in this bubble. They do nothing but sports. I mean, so it really goes for them too. They need to make a list of like, hey, I need to have a couple of acquaintances who aren't Athletic, well, and now so that can, I can realize that the world is much broader. But now they can like, NCAA athletes can get sponsored, so now you can like hang out with somebody who's got like a deal with like the local Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse and I got married, uh, and so then we're living in Chapel Hill. But I'm she's going to school. I'm still commuting to Black and Beach. You're married to Christy. You're in Apex. Going it, like we're both sort of establishing ourselves at like different churches. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to a church in Apex. I'm going to a church in Chapel Hill, which obviously, as you know from our backstory, that's a really big part of our lives. So getting involved there is like something that's kind of unfolding, right? But this is how the seed of what we do now was still there, and it was more of like a, a sapling because it had been planted early in our lives and in high school and in college with all the weird stuff that we did together, videos that we made. But because we had been asked to MC Christmas conference and that was something that was still happening, 
what we did is we said, let's get together, hell or high water, let's get together once a week at one of our homes and we're going to just do creative things. We're gonna we're gonna write songs, we're gonna conceptualize video concepts, et cetera. All with this goal of, hey, we've gotta we've gotta fill these spots come December with these entertaining ideas that we have. But boy, I just if we had not had had that right. that first of all, that regular like we had a goal, we had something that we were working towards, but then we had this, we're gonna get together and that's how we're gonna incubate this creative side of us. If we had not made that decision, who knows what we would be doing today and where we would be? Yeah, I think that, I mean, we were, we were, we were hanging out, like we were making plans. Yeah, as, as like the four of us as couples. I'm sure we did stuff together. I'm sure we did stuff with Greg and his wife Jen, and like we were all hanging out and doing stuff. But it wasn't every weekend, and we were living in, you know, we were living 40 minutes apart. And we also had no money. And we had no money. So, so the, your, I your, think your ability that, to like, well, let's go out to eat. It's like, well, hold on. Our grocery budget is $200. Right. And uh, that's what for all the groceries for the month. And so, our eating out budget is like $100. So I think you don't go through that pretty fast. I, I'm just getting at the fact that I don't, I think that if we hadn't had that, weekly workshop like on Thursday nights or whenever it was that I mean I I think our friendship would have suffered at that point you know we were working towards a common goal of like we have this audience of 1300 college students at the end of the year sure it's only February but let's go ahead and we were so we took it we were so, so committed seriously. to it and um I I think that that's had to, I mean, it was a big, I don't know if it was a lifeline to our friendship, but it was certainly a big contributor to us being, um, staying close mm-hmm. and, and having this thing to, to work on together. So it wasn't just, hey, let's get together once or twice a month whenever we, we can get our, our weekend schedules to line up. And when we got together, we not only worked on like conceptualizing skits, a lot of it was writing songs too. I do remember that because, um, I remember writing that a tribute to friendship song. It's like that story song we wrote that wasn't mm-hmm. even funny for any reason. Mm-hmm. I remember getting together in the the apartment before the one that you moved into. So I guess we started it pretty early, or maybe you moved into that. I don't remember going to that the Sandlin Place apartment and getting together. I remember when I moved out of three thousand C. There was a there was a few months that we would still get together there. And then I remember- Yeah, because there was a semester in which we still all lived there. When you moved- After you got married. And then when you got married- Well, not, a, not just a few months, not, not, not like that summer. We lived there that summer. Okay. You got married in June. We continued to stay there for the summer, like leading up to okay. the end of the 12-month lease. But then I, I definitely remember driving after working as an engineer, like getting on the road, telling- Remember, Christy, this is the night that I don't come home because I leave work and I'm going to Rhett's house. And like Jesse would like, she was like, newlywed, I'm going to make you guys dinner and want to be, Rhett's friends coming over and they're going to work on their stuff. Well, partly because they had told us to keep 
doing that, you know. Right. It's all around the same time of like yep. Greg's wedding where we wrote a song for his That's right. rehearsal dinner and they and Jesse and Christy were like, you guys need to keep doing this. Because the other thing that was happening, it wasn't just preparing for Christmas conference, but I don't remember what year it was, but right around this time is when Cole asked us to do the uh, the show at Carolina, like the one night only thing, which we've talked about this whole, we're kind of getting into the, some, that stage that we talked about before. But that gave us something else to work towards. Yeah. Uh, there was all in the like a. There wasn't. There were not many years in which we ever thought. I mean, I kind of knew going into engineering that it wasn't a permanent thing for me because I tried to like change the communications because I thought I was just going to go into ministry. I was like, we're, I'm going to go on stent or something. I'm going to be on staff of crusade eventually, but I got I got to wait until Jesse graduates so we can do that. So, I, and I was a little bit more in love with the stability of the job, and it was a good paying job. And at that point, we weren't like, necessarily thinking about doing it together. Like there, there was no path to because you, what you did is you full like, time. You went on stent entertainment, or you, or you like got a job at like a campus, but it wasn't until Cole asked us to do that show. Shane Dyke saw us do that show. It was like, you guys should do something as a position, yada, 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 all that stuff led to. So we were also working on that. But so we were pretty diligent, like getting together every week, working on stuff, um, developing developing our craft, as crappy as it was. But we weren't, the, the, some funny observations I make now, we were not... Uh, like performing for anybody. There was no outlet. It was like, let's nope. go to somebody's house and write some songs, knowing that we will perform these for a bunch of college students at some point. But it wasn't like, hey, what if we went to a comedy club? Like we never thought, to this day, have never performed at a comedy club. Right. Never have never done any anything in a way that most attend. people would think is the logical way to go about things. We didn't view comedy at clubs. Yeah, never never been to one. Not only didn't perform it, one had never been to one. There's like a famous one, Charlie Goodnights in Raleigh, yeah. which I think is gone now. But yeah, but we didn't. Yeah, we didn't do any of that. Never, never crossed our minds that, that we would do that, or we would be like, well, let's put on a like, let's put on a little show, or let's go and perform in this context. Because it was very much about live performance. Because it was like we're going to have this these yeah. students' attention. Uh. But it's just, it's funny because we were yeah we were doing these things that were that feel very like you gotta like get your stuff together. We were always responsible and dependable to a fault. Yeah, I think I would still categorize us in that way. Uh, you know, like we we carry out our lives and our business and our relationships in a very responsible and dependable way. Almost sometimes so much that that it can get in the way of just like the being a weird creative person. That we does never things. did anything because we felt like it. We yeah. always did something because we had obligated ourselves to do it. And then it's like, well, that just means we ha like we have to do it. It doesn't matter what you feel about. Right. It. It's like, okay. Well, this you go, this is the way that you have to do this. If you're going to have this apartment and you got to get these guys to do this, and you got to do the repairs, and then you got to get this job, and you have to do it in this way, and do this presentation in this way. We were all thinking that same way, and then when the opportunity to apply that principle to entertainment came along mm -hmm. in the very weird way that it came along for us, we applied the same level of process to it that has we've just kind of carried over for the past 17, 18 years to up to this point. It's, um, but we've thankfully been able to do it in a way 
that now, yes, we are different people in a lot of ways, right? In, ter in terms of like, what is your day like and what are you thinking about? How are you approaching things? Yes, there's still this like sense of responsibility and duty to our family and our you know employees and making sure that these things are done in the right way. Still very important to us. It's like ingrained. You're never going to get rid of it. But yeah, it's like if you if if that version of me and that version of you were to come into this room right now and sit down, uh, first of all. I would be like, hey man, I have a few a few style tips. <laughs> yeah. But I would also be like, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, the way that that evolves over the next 20 years for you. <laughs> as you start to think about it a little bit more, right? <laughs> uh, but then, and then of course, we would have a really interesting spiritual conversation because we were very locked in on a very particular way of thinking about things and we're 100% sure, without doubt, that we were right about it. Um, and right. so that would have been an interesting conversation to see what, who, what we have become, the heretics um, that we have become. Um, but I think that if we were to have a conversation about the creative things that we're doing, if we were to be like, let me tell you what we did yesterday. Oh, God, we'd flip out. Yeah, we would great. be like, oh, yes, we get to do that? Because we, we get never, to do that? We never gave ourselves full permission to just like, just put the dream out there. It was like, we didn't talk about the dream all the time. We talked about the thing that we were working on, the next thing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, if you have a band and you're like, you, you talk about the dream of getting a record deal, you know, mm -hmm. there's a path. Like, because yeah. there was no set path, it was like, okay, this may be all we've got. We've got this show at the end of the year that, well, we're emceeing this conference. We're just gonna turn it into our show when we get our 10 minute segments. And then your brother's like, hey, come to Carolina and talk to my students and make it into a comedy show. It was like, okay, we can obsess about that, but it, it wasn't, there were no, we couldn't connect those dots to any larger dreams. So it was very much like scrambling around in the dark and, it was unspoken a lot of times, you know, um, what it is we were working towards. Because, you know, it didn't exist. So, you know, I give us a lot of credit that with no path, with no um, instruction manual, we still found a way to like stick with it. To get, We're gonna get together. We have, these, we have these isolated events and we're gonna obsess about them. And, I and, hope that, that and, that's be, and that was fun and fulfilling. And I hope it can be encouraging for, for people, you know, because again, it doesn't have to be the case. Like, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a job right now, you're working, doing something, um, first of all, make the most of what it is that you're doing and find, and find as much joy as you can in it, it you know. Uh, yeah. But maybe there's something. Meet, meet a Nigerian. But maybe there's Get some, married. There's something that is, um, uh, a point of passion that you don't necessarily understand how that could even be a career. And maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just a really awesome hobby. Yeah. But I just think it's important to see that thing like a little plant. Yeah. And little that plant. plant needs things. That plant doesn't need to be put into the attic and covered because it will die. Give it a little something. And you'll have to find a new seed somewhere. Right. 
All right. There it is. Hashtag Ear Biscuits. Let us know what you think about all this. Please leave us a voicemail with how you're processing things. one 888 one Yeah. Hey, Red and Link. My name is Rachel, and I'm calling from Arizona. I'm a teacher here, and my high school students are reading The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. Just wanted to give you guys a shout-out. The kids are really liking it. Have a good day. Bye.